Heavenly Father, despite the opposition of others, we have not turned from your commands. We have not turned from your word. Instead, we have come this morning seeking to learn more about your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his words. Lord, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to us this morning and to help us understand it rightly. Oh, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be quickening our hearts even now so that we comprehend what you have said and then apply it to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of John, and we've been looking at what the Lord Jesus has been saying to his disciples on the night before he was betrayed. Uh, this is uh, basically a, a speech that Jesus is giving to his disciples uh, before he's going to be taken away to the cross. And we picked up our series again in the, uh, chapter 15 of John's Gospel, and we've been looking at the different illustrations that are being given to us, particularly the illustration of the fact of the uh, vine and the branches and how the Lord Jesus is the vine and his people are the branches. And then we saw last week about the friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ has with his people and how they became friends with Jesus and that at the bottom of it all is the fact that God, uh, that Jesus chose them, not that they chose God. This morning I want to continue looking at his instructions that are given to, the, to his disciples here, and particularly what is said to him in the second part of verse 16. Verse 16, we read, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, which is what we looked at last week. But the second sentence in verse 16, I think, is an interesting sentence that lots of people love to hear, and that says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Here we have a wonderful promise that is made by the Lord Jesus. And many are thrilled to read such a promise, that if you come to God and ask him for something in Christ's name, he will give you whatever you ask. And this verse is not just the only verse that says this. If you look back with me at verse 7, in his final instructions to his disciples, he mentions it in verse 7 of chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. And in the same discourse, we've broken it up into a number of chapters, uh, the same speech that he gives to the disciples, back in chapter 14, verse 13, the same thing is said as well. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Here we see this wonderful promise, and people are thrilled to read it. If I come to God in prayer and ask in Christ's name for something, God has promised, or Jesus has promised, that God the Father will give it to me. And people are excited about this verse until what happens? Well, they pray in Christ's name for something and they don't get what they ask for. Then what happens? Well, the promise is ignored and prayer can be neglected because people don't think the promise is true or they've misunderstood it. Is that you? Do you not pray because you have prayed for things in Christ's name and you haven't received what you asked for? Is that you? What's the problem? Why don't we receive what we ask for in prayer in Christ's name? Jesus has said very clearly here, then the Father, in verse 16, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. What is the problem? Well, the problem is that most people use Christ's name like it's a magic spell. They're the magic words that you put on the end of your prayer, which will then mean that God gives you whatever you ask for. You say, please give me a Ferrari. In Jesus' name, I pray. And it's the equivalent of saying, give me a Ferrari, hocus pocus. 
instead of saying hocus pocus at the end of your prayer, you say in Jesus' name. You think that Christ's name is somehow a magic formula. Praying in Christ's name is using his name as a magic formula to get what you want. But Jesus does not promise that his name is a magic spell. He's saying something else to us. He means something else to us when he says that we're to pray in his name and then God will give us what we ask for. What is Jesus promising in verse 16 when he says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name? Well, the first thing we have to recognise is that Jesus is promising here that God will give Christ's friends whatever they ask for. That God will give Christ's friends, Christ's friends whatever they ask for. Praying in Jesus' name means being his friend. Being his friend. The promise is made to Christ's friends here. We see that in verse 15 and 16. Uh, Verse 14 and 15, sorry. Verse 14 of chapter 15, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. He's giving this promise to his friends, not to everyone, to his friends. It's not as though someone can just pick up Jesus' name and start using it. No, it is to his friends that he makes this promise. And it makes sense that it's only his friends that can have this promise for themselves. Imagine we want something big from someone. There's someone who is very wealthy, and we want to ask them for something very large. Now, if we're friends of that person's son, wouldn't we have a better chance of getting what we ask for rather than going up to them, cold turkey, making a cold call to that person? They have no idea who we are, and we're going to ask them for something. If we can say we're one of, his friend, uh, one of his son's friends, doesn't it then mean that we have a greater likelihood of getting what we want? And if the father we know loves that son very, very much, won't he be delighted when one of his friend's sons comes and asks him for something? As opposed to randomly showing up and asking for something and having no connection to that son or to the, to the father in any sort of way? Well, it's the same with the Heavenly Father. We cannot come to the Father except through Christ. For a number of reasons. Why? Firstly, because all humans have made themselves enemies of God. If you come and ask God for something apart from Christ... You are an enemy of God. You have a large debt against your name because God has already given you so much and yet you have rebelled against him. So how, if you have this enormous debt already outstanding in your name, how can you then presume to come and ask for whatever you want? You have to come through Jesus Christ. Why through Jesus Christ? Because he is the Father's Son, who he loves very much, and he is the only one who has credit with God. He is the only one who never sinned. He has no debt outstanding in his name. He always lived a righteous life, whereas we have not. And so if we want to have any hope of asking the Father for something, anything at all, then we must come in Christ's name, as one of his friends. Because Christ promises to pay the debt that is outstanding for his friends. That is what Jesus was doing at the cross. He was taking our debt upon him and paying for it by his righteous life. He is able to pay for our sins. And therefore, we can then come to God as Christ's friend 
and ask for whatever we wish. It's only in Christ that we can come to God. We cannot simply pick up his name and use it as a magic spell. What is being taught to us in verse 16 is that when we come in Christ's name, it needs to be as his friend. Sadly, there are many who pray unsuccessfully to God the Father because they're not friends with God's Son. They may not acknowledge Jesus at all, but they seek to pray to the God who made them. One of the saddest sights I've seen in my life was to see at the, what they call the term, the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. I got the privilege of going to Israel last year, and I got to see the Wailing Wall, which is the, the wall that is left of the Temple Mount where the temple was built by Solomon. And there's all these people that are there, all these Jews lined up at the wall praying, praying, praying. And are they praying in Christ's name? No. They're seeking to pray to God the Father without acknowledging Christ, not as Christ's friends. They're coming on their own merit, but the sad thing is we have no merit. All we have is debt. And there they are, seeking to come to the Father and ask for whatever they wish, but they're not asking in Christ's name. But then there are others who drop Christ's name, but they're not his friend. Who am I speaking of? Who commonly will mention the son's name to the father, like you might mention the son, of, uh, the son of someone that you're wanting something from here on earth, but you don't really have a connection with that son. There are some people who will try all sorts of scams. They'll find out the children's names of some wealthy person on earth, and they'll look it up on the internet, and they'll say, oh, yes, I'm friend of your son. And they try to get what they want just simply by mentioning the name, but they have no relationship, no real connection with that son. There are people who do that with God as well. They mention Jesus. They even profess love for Jesus, that they are friends with Jesus, but they don't really love Jesus. Who am I speaking of? Well, those of the cults and false religions. They say they recognize Jesus, but they don't love him the way they should, as a true friend does, and love all of him. They might love his humanity, but they don't love his divinity. They don't recognize him as God and love him as God himself. Or they love his work at the cross in some way, but they do not recognize it as all sufficient for their sins. They think they can contribute something themselves to Christ's work at the cross. So they can atone some way for their debt. And so they love Christ, but Christ plus my work. I love his work at the cross. He's a great model, an example for us to follow but I don't love his work as all-sufficient for my sin. And so we see that there are people out there who try to come to the Father without any acknowledgement of the Son. And then there are people who come to the Father and acknowledge the Son, but they really don't love the Son. And so they're not friends with Jesus. This is how we become friends with Jesus, is to love him. The word love... Uh, the word friend is just the uh, cognate, uh, form of the word in Greek that is for love. If you have a friend, it is a person that you love. And that's what we have to do if we want to be Christ's friend. We have to love him. We have to trust him as a friend. We have to come to him and love him as our friend. And then, if we love Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, the promise applies to us. Verse 16 then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. We have this promise to us if we are lovers of Christ. 
do your prayers fall flat? Do you feel that when you come to God in prayer, your prayers do not ascend up at all, but instead they fall flat? Is it because you're not actually Christ's friend? You don't love Jesus. Yes, you may tack his name on the end of a prayer, but you don't love him. You don't trust in him. You've never asked for forgiveness of sins through Christ's work at the cross. You do not love his work at the cross. You do not love him as God. You do not love him as a human, a fellow human who took on flesh like us. If that is you, begin loving Christ today. Love him. He is the only way to God. He is the only way to have forgiveness of sins, to have that debt cancelled. Love him. Trust in him today. And then come to God in prayer. And God will give you whatever you ask for in his name as a friend of Christ Jesus. But some of you may be saying here this morning, yes, I do love Jesus. I am a Christian. And I have prayed for things, but they still don't come to me. I have gone to God as Christ's friend. I do trust in him. I love him. I am a Christian. But the God the Father doesn't give me whatever I ask for in his name. This promise still has problems for me. I don't see it coming to fruition. What's the problem, Joel? Why do my prayers not get answered even though I love the Lord Jesus Christ and am a Christian? Well, I think the problem is we don't understand another aspect of what it means to pray in Christ's name, and that is that God will give Christ friends whatever they ask for if Christ desires it too, if Christ desires it too. When we pray in Christ's name, there's an assumption that Christ must desire what we want from the Father. And if Christ doesn't desire it, then we don't deserve to get it. Imagine you've got an earthly friend and you go to that earthly friend's father and ask for something big from that father. Yes, you're friends with the son. You go to the father. The son knows that the father knows that you're friends with the son. You ask for something big, but the father knows the son hates what you're asking for. You go to that father and you say, I'm friends with your son. You know me very well. Through your son, I would like a Ferrari. And the father says, Hang on a minute, my son hates flashy cars. He thinks they're a complete waste of money. And he's standing here while you're asking, frowning about what his friend is asking for. Do you think I'm really going to give you what you're asking for when I know my son is not happy about your request, that he does not want me to give you what you ask for? It makes sense that the father would not give you what you ask for if the son is not desiring it too. And it's the same with the Heavenly Father. He only gives what the Son desires for us to have as well. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 13, just uh, the page earlier, where the same promise is made, but what is the promise made? Uh, how is it made there? It says in verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. The promise there from the Lord Jesus that he will do whatever we ask in his name is so that glory will come to the Father. And so all our requests to God, whatever we ask for of God, if it is to be granted, must give glory 
to God, not to us, which is often what we desire in our prayers. When we come to God and ask for whatever we want, it's usually for our glory rather than for the Son's glory and the Father's glory. Will a prayer to pass an exam that we haven't studied for give glory to God? A righteous God who believes in justice, who believes in hard work. Let's read the book of Proverbs to understand that God loves hard work. And then you come and you look at verse 16 and say, he must give me whatever I ask as a friend of Christ. I'm a friend of Christ. I'm a Christian. So therefore, God must give me whatever I ask and I want to pass this exam and I just didn't get around to study. So of course, he has to let me pass the exam. Does that fit with glorifying God, a righteous God? So often we're guilty of doing what James says. James says in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So often our motive when we come to God in prayer and ask for something is for our own pleasures, for our own glory, rather than Christ's glory. It's interesting that prayer is not so much about giving us what we want, but about God giving us what he wants us to have. We come in prayer and we think it's about God giving us what we want. But really, prayer is God's mechanism that he is, in his grace, put in place by which he gives us what he wants to give us. He just wants to hear us ask for it. And so we must know Christ's desires if we are to have this prayer, this promise fulfilled. Do your prayers fall flat because you aren't asking for what Christ desires? You're asking for what you desire, yes, but not for what Christ desires. How do you know what Christ desires? Well, it's by his word by this book. This is how you know what God will give you if you ask in Christ's name. It's by his words. And we see that in that verse, in verse 7, which has the same promise, but in a slightly different way. Verse 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. His words need to remain in you. And then as those words remain in you, you come to him with requests and God gives you what you ask for because you're a friend of Christ, but you're also asking for what Christ desires because you've looked at his words and his words remain in you and then you're using those to come to God in prayer. But how do you pray what's in the Bible? Well, there's lots of different ways that you can do it, uh, and I encourage you to do it to, as you read the Bible to pray. If you need some tips, there's this good book, uh, which is available on the church library, uh, Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Uh, Donald Whitney, I, I love one of his other books on spiritual disciplines. Uh, this is a newer book, and it teaches you how to pray the Bible. It's a book that is designed for people whose prayers feel uh, mundane, and they're saying the same things again and again, and you don't see much answer to your prayers, and you don't know how to invigorate your prayer life. He teaches you 
that as we read God's word, we can pray God's word and then see answers to those prayers. So I encourage you, pick up a copy of that if you would like to learn to pray the Bible. Uh, but also it is available on the church library and you can borrow it after the service if you get in quick. But you may say, okay, I'm a friend of Christ. I pray for what he desires. I've got things from the Bible. I put them in prayer to God. And then I still don't get what I ask for. What's the problem, Joel? I've done what you've said. I've become a believer in Christ Jesus. I have prayed for what he instructs me to pray for. I pray the Lord's Prayer. I pray the Psalms. I pray them for people. I pray them for me. But I don't get what I ask for. What's the problem? Well, there's a third thing that I want to draw to your attention about this promise that is made this morning. There's a condition that is attached to the promise. And basically, this promise teaches us that God will give Christ's friends whatever they ask for if Christ desires it. God will give Christ's friends whatever they ask for if Christ desires it. And those friends love Christ's friends. Those friends love Christ's friends. There's a condition tied onto the promise. What's that? Well, look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit will, that will last then. See that word then? Or you could translate it in order that or so that from the Greek word. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. We're meant to bear fruit as Christ's friends. And then if we are fruit-bearing friends, Christ says we can ask God the Father and he will give us what we ask for. What's this fruit that we're meant to produce? Well, we've been looking at it in previous weeks. Uh, it may be summed up as love. Love for God and, of course, love for one another. And that is in the very next verse, verse 17. After we've been told to bear fruit, what is Christ's command to his friends? Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Love each other. When we bear good, lasting fruit of love for each other, God gives us by his spirit whatever we ask for. And this makes sense. Imagine an earthly friend, and you go to that friend's father, and you ask him for something. And you're a good friend of that son. And you're asking for what the son approves. Yet... You have been mistreating his son's friends. And the father knows that you've been behaving abominably towards his son's friends. And then we have the audacity to go to the father and ask him for something and expect to receive it. Does it matter if we love the son a lot but hate his friends? Yes, the Father's not going to be so gracious to give you what you ask for if he knows that, yes, you're a good friend of the Son, but you go around stomping on his Son's friends. And it's the same with the Heavenly Father then. He gives to those who love his Son's friends. Can we stomp on fellow Christians, Christ's friends, through the day and then come to God at night and ask him for things when we've been behaving so terribly. And then we get annoyed that God doesn't give us what we ask of him when we haven't been showing any love towards Christ's friends 
or I've been mistreating them? Do you lie? Do you gossip? Do you speak badly about Christ's friends? Or just generally ignore Christ's friends? Do you take advantage of one another? Take advantage of Christ's friends, even cheat and steal from them? I had a tradesman recently tell me, a Christian tradesman, he did some work here at the church for me, and he mentioned in conversation when I was talking about, make sure you invoice us and, and we'll pay the bill for the work that you've done. And he said, oh, he said, one of the worst things I can do sometimes is to tell a Christian that I'm a Christian and I'm doing work for them. Because then they expect either not to pay me at all or to have a heavy discount because we're brothers in Christ. So you should do this work for me for free because I'm a Christian. What's that? That's cheating, stealing from a fellow brother in Christ, from one of Christ's friends. You're actually stealing from him. He does the work. He deserves his pay according to Scripture. Even if he's a Christian, he deserves his pay. In fact, you should pay him over and above what he is asking for of a non-Christian if you love Christ's friends. Do you do that? Do you take advantage of Christ's friends? Do you mistreat those who belong to Christ Jesus? One of the saddest things I've, you can see, I've mentioned about the wailing wall, that's a sad thing to see, to see people going to God apart from Christ. Another sad thing to see is a man praying to God who's an abuser of women and children, who's taking advantage of those who are most vulnerable in our society or those who pray but enable and facilitate the abuse of women and children. It may be a pain to have child protection training for all our leaders at this church in some ways and to tick everybody off and I've got to chase them for working with children checks. It may be a pain to lock off certain parts of the building so that children are safe in those areas. But it's an act of love. And as we love the children of this church by protecting them, what does the promise there? God will give us whatever we ask for, of him. As we love those around us, God makes this promise. If you bear fruit of love to others, if you take the time to love those around you, God will give you whatever you ask of him. The fact that if we don't love those around us, and love particularly fellow Christians. It's a terrible thing. It should strike fear into our hearts that this could hinder our prayers. Beautiful prayers we may pray, but if we have a lack of love for those around us, they're like beautiful dead birds. Dead on the floor. They look good, but they're not going anywhere. And that's what prayers of many are. You think of some church leaders who've been behaving abominably behind the scenes, and they pray beautifully on Sundays and expect God to answer their prayers when they've been taking advantage of the flock that they're supposed to care for and love. Beautiful dead birds, that's what their prayers are like. If that is you, no wonder the Father doesn't give you whatever you ask of him in prayer. This truth should chill us, but it's taught again and again in Scripture. The way you behave affects your prayers and affects whether God will give you what you ask of him. We saw it in that opening psalm, in, in Psalm 66, the beginning of the service. 
where sinful behaviour locks God's ear so he withholds his Holy Spirit. In Psalm 66, verse 18, we read, If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And Isaiah, that other passage that we had read to us today, Isaiah 59, verse 2, Verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Your sins have stopped God hearing your cry. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things. Your tongue mutters wicked things. You speak lies with that tongue and then you come to God and speak and expect him to hear what you ask for and give it to you. The audacity. But we also get promised that loving behaviour to fellow man opens God's ears so that he sends his Holy Spirit to us. Psalm 34 verse 15, which is picked up in the New Testament in 1 Peter as well. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. If you live a righteous life of love towards your fellow man, his ears are attentive to your cry. And James 5 says as well, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's what's been spoken of there in verse 16. A righteous man having powerful and effective prayers and then he gives the example of Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. Yes, he was a sinner too. He was just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He got what he asked for. Why? He's a believer in God. He's part of God's family. Friend of the Messiah. He's also a righteous man. He lived a righteous life. We see the way that he even cared for some prophets, protected them from a king who was out to kill them, providing them with food and water. He was one who looked after God's people. So, do we want God to give us whatever we ask for? Well, we're meant to love Christ's friends. Love them, love them, love them. Come to church if you want to find some of Christ's friends and then stay after the service and get to know them and then love them as you learn about them. Have them into your homes and then pray for them. Pray for them as an act of love and you never know, God may give you what you ask of him because you're producing fruit in praying for them as an act of love for them rather than praying for something for your own pleasures. You're praying for the good of others. Love Christ's friends. Not to be Christ's friends. Don't get this idea that to become one of Christ's friends, you need to love Christ's friends. No. We love Christ's friends because we are a friend of Christ, not the other way around. So here we have a tremendous promise in John 15, verse 16. God will give us whatever we ask for in Christ's name. Do we know the joy of answered prayer? Do you want to know that joy more and more of coming to God in prayer, asking him for things and receiving them? Well, let's love Christ. Let's trust Christ. Be Christ's friend. Let's love what he loves 
Let's desire what he desires. May our will match up with his will because we love his word and we pray his word. And let's love Christ's friends. And then let's pray, pray, pray. Pray confidently. Pray as ones who love Christ. Pray as one who loves Christ's desires. Pray as ones who love Christ's friends. Whoever loves little, prays little. I came up with that this week. Jesus has a similar statement about whoever is forgiven much, loves much. But I think it rings true. If you love Christ little, you're going to pray little. Because your little prayers won't achieve much. And so you'll love him less and less. But whoever loves much, prays much. Whoever loves much, if you love Christ much and you love his word much and if you love his friends much, of course you will pray much because your prayers will be powerful and effective and you will rejoice in answered prayer. May our prayers at Dremoyne Baptist be the best possible prayers they can be. May our prayers not fall flat like dead birds maybe even beautiful dead birds. Some people can pray beautiful prayers, but they can be beautiful dead birds. May that not be the case. May our prayers not fall flat, but soar up to heaven and bring back glorious answers because we love Christ and we love his word and we love his friends. Let's speak with him now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who is so powerful that you can give us whatever we ask for. Oh, but Lord, we confess that we do not deserve to receive much of what we ask for because we do not ask as good friends of Christ. We ask for what Christ disapproves of and ask so often after mistreating his friends. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, wipe away our debt once more in the love of Christ, his work at the cross, and help us to love Christ more and to love his friends more, to love our fellow brethren, our, our fellow believers. And so see our prayers answered more and more. And do it for your glory and for Christ's glory. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who has debts to you because of their sin, that is still outside of your family, oh Lord, we pray that they would come and trust in Christ now and have the debt cancelled and then as friends of Christ, come and pray to you and receive whatever they ask for in his name. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.